Happy Friday night, and how's it going, ladies and gentlemen? If you are listening to this on Friday night, it's one more sleep. If it's Saturday morning, it's time for opening round Sun Conference action. Ladies and gentlemen, my name is Reagan Harrell. Along with me, as always, Mr. Manny Burroughs. Manny, I hand down in Miami Gardens where you'll be on the call for two of the games and you'll be there for the soccer game as well. What else can we ask for, man? Well, we got 11 games to preview today. Oh. God, I, I honestly haven't even given it much thought aside from this Saturday. We've been on campus. It's really all been the talk of the town. You know, obviously all four teams making the NAI tournament. Women's will be on, on the road for women's soccer. And the three that are hosting, it's electric. You know, every day, like you said, it, every night it just means one more day closer. And honestly, now that we're talking about it less than 24 hours away, it's still a little surreal to be honest with you. And I'm not even playing, so I can't imagine how the, the players are are getting ready for it. Well, here's the plan for the episode. It's pretty straightforward. It's pretty simple. We're just going to preview every game, tell you a little bit about the teams that your favorite team is playing this Saturday. We're going to start it off in uh well not, not we're going to start off with St. Thomas. We're going to start off with women's soccer. We're going to do the women's soccer first. Um, and then we'll do uh volleyball, football, and with men's soccer. I might uh, we'll start with women's soccer. We'll, we'll we'll see. You know how it goes, but Manny, we'll start with your St. Thomas Bobcats. They are the uh, one of two teams on the road this weekend. They're going up against Cumberland, Phoenix, the one in Tennessee. Uh, Cumberland's had a really good, good season. Their only loss was the number three, Cumberland's, the University of Cumberland's, the Patriots, in the regular season, a 1-0 loss at home. However, Manny, they would answer back in the final of the Mid-South Conference against the Cumberland's Patriots, a 2-0 win against one of the best teams in the country. They were one of the top teams in the country last year, made a deep run in the tournament, did the Patriots to Phoenix, defeated them, and they will be playing host to 16th-ranked St. Thomas Bobcats. Obviously, St. Thomas women's soccer is a team you're really close with. Manny, what's the key to victory for St. Thomas against the Phoenix? So, like you said, obviously I'm close with them and I've seen the highs. I've seen the lows. I've saw when they beat SCAD. I saw when they beat Kaiser. I saw when they lost to Ave. So I think the biggest thing for them, it's going to be a mindset thing. It's going to be a situation where if they come in with the same mindset that they had against the fire when they were down in the conference tournament, against Kaiser both times they played, against SCAD when they beat them, I think that will give them the best chance. I am going to be looking for a similar situation against the Royals. Now, obviously, this Cumberland's team is a better team than the Royals team, but that type of game from the opening round of the Sun Conference tournament where it was a committee of goal scoring. Obviously, Gabriela Semino is going to be the main focus. It's going to be how many times can we get her the ball, how many opportunities, good opportunities, can we get her in front of that net on a goal scoring chances. But she's also very, very technical when it comes to dropping back a little bit into that top end of the midfield area and being the connector to play it out wide and then we can get some action down the, the wings. So I'm looking for that to be kind of the go-to for this team because I'm assuming the Cumberland's going to understand that we have to slow down arguably the best goal score from the Sun Conference. We have to slow down the first team on conference score. So how the wingers, how the, the, the wide players are making their runs, how aggressive they are will be important. And the biggest thing for that, I said a little bit in that Warner game, funny enough, 
I actually want to see when we make those deep runs down the sideline, when we get those one-on-one matchups a little bit on the goal line, maybe a little bit closer to the corner, be aggressive there. Take take that space, be aggressive with that one-on-one defender and cut back to the middle or take down the goal line if you have it, but don't just send that cross in a little prematurely. I think I saw a lot of that. And again, this team is very, very good at moving the ball. They're very, very unselfish, and that's completely fine. But in those moments, I would like to see players, just kind of in general in soccer, be a little bit more aggressive because you have the advantage. If you can get into that 18-yard box, obviously the defense can't be that aggressive. They got to be a little bit more patient. So if you can be that, that aggressive and be the initiator, I think it opens up a lot more. And then when you get that shot towards the goal, maybe across to the back post, I think it opens up a lot more. So I'm definitely looking for the wings to be kind of a, a important part of the offense. And then just be aggressive in those moments. And I think they will really, really give Cumberland a, a really good game. And I'm, I'm, I honestly would not be surprised if they come out with that victory. I think they will. I really do. We certainly hope so. A little bit about Cumberland's They're a really sound defensive team. Uh, used a couple of different goalkeepers, but in 19 games, they only allowed nine goals all se- season. Going to assume it's the senior Sabrina uh, Graciano in goal for them. She's only allowed seven goals and she has 40 saves and 85% save rate. On the offensive side, they have three firepower uh, strikers and one of the better players in the country, and Mari uh, Sagsted from, I believe, Norway. Uh, I'll double-check double that, make sure. Yeah, from, she is from Norway, the junior is, and she had a double-double for the season. Closest comparison for her would be a Sydney Chura uh, type up top, 18 goals, 10 assists. She pairs very well with Brianna Swigger. Uh, her striker mate who has 16 goals and nine assists, the two of the best players in not only the Mid-South, but really in the entire region uh, of the NAI and all of the NAI will be going up against a really stout defense for St. Thomas as well. And are going to need a really big game from Isabella. Uh, I, I really think that the key to this one is uh, it's going to be in goal. You have two really uh, good goal goalkeepers uh, that are going to be going up against some firepower. Who's ever uh, – I think Cumberland's probably going to have a little bit more of an advantage on the back line, um, but we've seen in goal from the Bobcats all year, uh, really great performances. I think that's going to be the key. And like you said, be aggressive. You're not going to get many opportunities against this uh, Cumberland's team. I mean, nine goals allowed, 19 games is ridiculous. They shut out everybody in the Mid-South Conference Tournament. 270 minutes of shutout soccer is, I mean, that speaks for itself. Um you know, I, I have to admit, if you're looking at the four women's soccer games, this is the one I am least confident in. Uh, and I mean, it's the one on the road, uh, other than other than Kaiser, who we'll get into next. But I think this is the toughest matchup. But we've seen the Bobcats go on the road, be able to handle business this year, and look really good on the road. See if they they can do do that uh, again, heading up to Lebanon, Tennessee, Manny. We're just going to go right right up the road to West Palm Beach where the Kaiser Seahawks, they will be playing a game there, 1 o'clock against Florida National, but that's on the men's side. On the women's side, they will be heading all the way to Idaho to go up against the Yotes. Manny, you've seen this Kaiser women's soccer team. I've talked about it a good bit, and the more I look at it, I like this matchup because, and we're going to talk about Life University here in just a second, they're, going, they're the team going up against SCAD with a shot to Alabama on the line. But there's Life Running Eagles, a fine team. I don't really think they're going to have much of a shot against SCAD. We'll get, we'll get more into that. But they just absolutely dominated Northwest. Northwest is pretty much the, the second best team in the Cascade. They are the second best team. Went to penalty kicks 
with College of Idaho, where the Yotes won 2 0 and a shootout for the Cascade Championship. That being said, are the Yotes the higher seed? Yes. They, they fair, fair to them. They won their conference. They took care of business. However, you look at their schedule, not a ton, ton of great wins. Now they're 18, one and two. You cannot take that away from them. But you look at a team like Kaiser, who's as seasoned as they are, they are by far the team most built to go on the road and win. Now, will they be playing in weather that maybe they're not quite a little bit used to? Sure. But, um, you, you know, uh, it just kind of, kind of is, is what it is. I think they'll, they'll be fine. I mean, a lot of those girls that have, have played in Europe. But so I'm going to assume that they're the A-OK with playing in a little bit of chillier weather than what is found in beautiful West Palm Beach, Florida. But going up against the Yotes, Manny, I, I feel like this will be a kind of, hey, everybody, you remember the Kaiser Seahawks? They're rolling into Alabama with a big win. I have to agree with you there because obviously the talk of this year was the Bobcats and, and kind of where they kind of came out, so to speak. And at the end of the day, though, the three teams that have always kind of been those behemoths, those titans in the Sun Conference that comes to women's soccer are Kaiser, Southeastern, and SCAT. And I do think the Seahawks, maybe they didn't have a year that they would have liked. Obviously, they're still in the tournament. Obviously, they still were a very good opponent. But it's like you said, I think they're hitting their stride in the right time. They're still going to be a tough, tough team to beat. On the road, like you said, they are very game. I think that you put them in a situation now where it's the definition of it's us against the world. Like They are going to be in a place where they're not really used to, they're not... It's just going to be them. And I think that's going to help them. I think that's honestly going to help them for the entire tournament. So this honestly might be a blessing in the skies. I'm sure they would have loved to host. I'm sure they would have loved to done it, do it in front of the Seahawk nation. But to do it on the road, to build the start of a possible deep run here in the tournament, I think it could be kind of laid out for them. And then it's just about going out and taking it. And I do like the Seahawks to go out and take it, honestly, forcefully. Yeah, I think that they they will uh, be take be taking care of business against College of Idaho. Uh, gotta watch out for uh, Abby Ribido. She's been playing really good of late for College of Idaho. Uh, three goals in her last four four games. Uh, so she, she's gotten up there. And then of course they have two thirteen goal scorers and Eden McAfee and Nastasia Davis. Uh, so two solid players that have started all, all uh, who have actually only started half of the games for them. They rotate out a bit. I think this College of Idaho team, they're a fine team, but, you know, we, we, I don't like to wait. Who, who am I kidding? I love to wait the Sun Conference flag. It's the best – it's the deepest conference for women's soccer once again this year. Four top 20 teams, four teams uh, currently in the second round. Hopefully four teams will be making it to Alabama, uh, which I'm going to release my Alabama plans uh, here right, right after this game. But we, I, I mentioned earlier, Manny, when I look at – Kaiser women's soccer. I said, they're the best team to go on the road. They're the best team to go and take care of business. Why they have Lauren Riley. They have R Ramona Kennedy. They have a line son got Georgia little who have all been there, done that. The goalkeeping has been bet better. Sierra Uko ha has done phenomenal job in the midfield. She's been really fun, fun to watch. Uh, I think she's been one of the more improved players in the conference. Uh, but as far as what I'm going to go down to, I think Kaiser's, um, you know, no pun intended for the Seahawks, but I think they're going to uh, dominate on the wings. Uh, I love I love their fullback duo. I've talked about Georgia Little a ton this year. 12 assists that le leads the team. No goals, 12 assists. And I have a take. I think Georgia Little gets a goal. I'm going to say we'll have a Georgia Little goal uh, in Idaho, and they'll be flying back south to Alabama. Uh, moving on to our third game, it is Southeastern 
against a really solid uh, Bethel squad. Manny, uh, Southeastern's uh, was a team that was a uh, uh, thorn in the side of St. Thomas uh, th- this year, but it was also we had moments where like St. Tom, some of St. Thomas's biggest games were against Southeastern. Uh, what were your thoughts when you were watching those games? When I was watching those games, I definitely felt like doing my research. It felt like before the Seahawks were the team that kind of was that thorn in the side of the Bobcats of just we weren't able to ever get that win or, or get multiple wins against them within a year. This year we did that twice. Now, I'm not saying that the Seahawks are now not a thorn in the side of the Bobcats. They always will be. Everybody knows that. But I think that was a good monkey off the back. The next monkey I do think is the Seahawks because they are the only the, – the fire because they are the only team in the conference that – was ranked top 25, and the Bobcats couldn't beat. They did tie 0-0 in Lakeland, but in the end, we do know how the, the third round went in favor of the fire in the tournament. I was watching that fire game, and, you know, they just played great soccer. I mean, and, and it might be, be cliche, but at the end of the day, sometimes a team is just built very well, and you just can't really pinpoint something here or there. I'm sure if we dug into the numbers, we could do it, and I'm sure, obviously, you covered it more than I have, so I'm sure you're going to give us some great insight. But in those three games that I watched, they were just a, a very good, well-coached team. The way they moved the ball, they have some great goalkeeping. So I think it's just going to be a, a team that – we mentioned the Seahawks and the Bobcats kind of hitting at the right moment. You said it yourself last episode, this fire gave the SCAD everything that they had. They threw everything at them, and they really, really kind of just eked out that win. So I think the fire might be the best team going into the tournament talking about momentum talking about play style and talking about just being together and i mean now you cherry on top you're hosting so it's really just all kind of laid out for them as well as a few of these other teams in the conference yeah look at bethel uh what, what i said about college of idaho um and know this right their schedule it's not that strong it's the opposite for bethel they played a really good schedule a couple nicks uh here or there probably while they're traveling but i think they're a really good team they're a really young team though you look at audrey laroe their goal scorer up top she's a sophomore uh kalena stancic who is a winger that gets a little bit more in the attack uh for them eight goals and five assists they're also led by a few more sophomore and when you look just from what they got, not a lot in the in in the senior department. Um, you know, they do have some senior leadership with Natasha Dudley, but for the mo- for the most part, it's a young team going up against a really experienced team. You mentioned the goalkeeper, Michaela Owens, stepped up in a big way for the Fire, and you mentioned kind of what makes them such a good soccer team and so well prepared. Look, I, I looked at I look at Coach Roberts and what he's done with with that program, and then what he what he did uh, against Kaiser. I thought it was a really good coaching job uh, against them when they won two nothing up in Lakeland. He has the ability to completely suffocate a team, and he has the athletes and the players in the back to to do it. Now we mentioned the young players for Bethel, uh, like uh, Laroe and Stancic. Uh, same can be said for the Fire with Madeline Davidson, arguably the best young player not only in the Sun Conference, but in the entire country. Match her with Katie Carnes and Naria Lopez, who's uh, really done well down, down the stretch. I thought Naria Lopez maybe a little bit slower start to the year, but she's looking uh, f- phenomenal. Um, you know, I, I think a big thing for this one is jump out early. It's what the Fire have done a really good job of in the games that they they have won. And I think that's that's what they're going to do. They're going to jump out early and uh, take care of business against Bethel. I mentioned, um, you know, kind of the away games with I think I'm more confident in 
Kaiser to go do it rather than St. Thomas. When I look at uh, for the home games, I'm pretty confident in both. I feel confident in both the, both of those, uh, both teams, Southeastern and SCAD going through. Be a little bit uh, more so with SCAD, but we'll talk about here in just a second. But I still think Southeastern is going to be able to take care of business uh, against Bethel. No, yeah, I, I completely agree with you. And you saying that the suffocating abilities of this fire team honestly took me back to watching them against the Bobcats in the semifinals of the conference tournament. You know, obviously the Bobcats were able to score off of an own goal and then a, a, a great sequence to tie the game. But I have to agree that in that game, it definitely felt like suffocating was the word that the fire were doing to the Bobcats. And if they can replicate that and, honestly even double down on it i think it's gonna be very hard for them to score i think it's also gonna be hard to get quality looks on them you know maybe you do score but sometimes in soccer it's one of those things where okay they they hit an amazing shot sometimes you just got to recognize game and just keep pushing but if that's what you're banking on to beat a team no matter what level it's not really going to be a game plan that's sustainable for 90 minutes especially in a tournament against a top team like the fire so i think if they can suffocate and double down on it they're going to put themselves in the best possible situation yeah, and looking at the final uh, women's soccer game, the life-running Eagles are uh, going up against the SCAD Bees. Uh, life absolutely dominated Northwest. We talked about that earlier again. Northwest, maybe the, probably the best team College of Idaho has played all, all year, but uh, Life just took care of business against them. Five, nothing, and that was behind, one again, one of the better players in the country, Annika Madrill, who transferred from the University of Mobile. She's actually a Navari, Florida native. So I'm sure there's a few Sun Conference coaches scratching their heads on why they don't have her. But uh, she had quite the year, 20 goals, 11 assists, uh, definitely an All-American type year. Um, Yeah, I think at the end of the day, though, as long as SCAD goes out there and brings their A game, I mean, how they've played all year, I have no reason to to think with this life team they'll – that, that they will win. Now, life has played some really tough teams. They played William Carey. They played and beaten Tennessee Southern. They played William Carey pretty pretty close. By the way, ladies and gentlemen, just, just take a quick break and run over to William Carey's women's soccer page and look at what, they, what they've what they been doing this year. It's absolutely insane. But um, in the Southern States tournament, their only loss w- was to William Carey. They're really good. Uh, a really good team, but and they actually played Bethel. They tied Bethel one one. So look at the two pretty even matchups as far as SCAD and Southeastern, two top teams in the conference this year getting in the NAI tournament. But I'm when, when I think about SCAD, I think they are they are the top team. I mean, they're the top B for a reason. And they go out there, they play their game. Manny Burroughs, is there any way that the SCAD Bs are not booking a trip to Alabama? Unless it's the Life University Eagles day. I, I really think they the only way that they can even score once and really put pressure on SCAD is kind of like what we mentioned earlier. I could see a similar situation uh, bouncing off of the Bobcats win over the SCAD bees where the Bobcats punched first. They punched first and they punched early under 10 minutes. It felt, or I think it was that Samino scored that first goal that kind of woke up the bees. And, and then we kind of had a great matchup between them and the Bobcats. Now, I think that that's going to be hard to do against SCAD. But as long as SCAD can really be the ones to throw that first punch and kind of assert their dominance of like, this is why we won the conference. This is why we won the deepest conference in women's soccer this year. This is why we are who we are. 
it's going to be one of those type of matchups where if you do that early, I'm not saying that uh, the, the opponents are going to roll over or anything like that, but it's going to be a lot harder. They understand, like, they're not the favorites. Scad Bs are the favorites in this matchup. They are the ones that are already thinking about Alabama, but they're not going to overlook this opponent, and they're going to be very, very impressive, and they're going to come out with a mission, honestly. They, they got that conference title. They got that regular season title. Now they're going for that red banner to, to complete the sweep this year. Yeah, I, I think they're going to get there, and that's going to lead me into what happens in Alabama. So here's kind of the 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 scenarios. Um, I mean, just, just a little bit of looking forward. I'm sure um, everybody's going to be like, you're jinxing it, whatever. Uh, if, if Kaiser beats College of Idaho, they play number one seed William Carey. Southeastern beats Bethel. They're going to go play number two seed Spring Arbor, who is <laughs> – disgusting uh they are assuming spring are spring arbor and uh and william carey win their games against xavier and Sienna heights but kind of assuming that that that's what's gonna happen you expect that from the top two seeds let me ju just say this folks kind of the way it looks like it's going to be it seems like it's a collision course between william carey and spring arbor for a national championship this fyi that's kind of the feel across the nai i'm pretty sure that's how a lot of people are thinking. Some conferences definitely going to have its say about that. Anyways, uh, SCAD will move on to play the winner of Truett McConnell and Marion on the right side of the bracket along with uh, Southeastern, who that could be a quarterfinal matchup. And if St. Thomas wins, they'll be taking on the winner of Indiana Wesleyan and Hope International. Here's how my schedule is working. I will not be able to be there that Monday, that round of 16 game. We will not have co coverage there. However... If there is a Sun Conference team alive and still in November 30th on the quarterfinals, just need one. One women's team still in it. I will be there. Book it. I will be. I will be going. I have a. I have. A, hey, we've gotten rid of the football. We've gotten rid of the athlete part. I'm still a student. I have a test. Can't get moved. I'm sorry. It sucks. I have one Tuesday, so we'll be keeping a close eye on everything. Uh, of course, Saturday, and of course, uh, we assume to have at least one Sun Conference team knock on wood, uh, there for that round of 16. We'll be keeping a very close eye on everything. Um, again, follow the social medias at Suncast Podcast, Instagram, Twitter, everything. But the plan is to be there for the quarterfinals, semifinals, and to see a Sun Conference team win the championship on December 4th. Uh, potential Sun Conference matchups, we could see SCAD and Southeastern on the quarterfinals. What a way to kick off coverage if that happens. Um, and then also in the semifinals, we could have St. Thomas versus either Southeastern or SCAD. And then if Kaiser runs the table and one of those three teams runs the table, we would have an all-Sun Conference National Championship. Pretty electric thought. But long way to go before that. And we will move on into men's soccer. Manny, St. Thomas. You got punched in the mouth. The mouth has been punched. Penalty kick loss at Auto Nation Field to your biggest rival, 6-5, 7-6, a total final for the Seahawks. Manny, it's a heartbreaker. Was this the right thing that needed to, to happen to St. Thomas, or is this a sign that maybe the Bobcats aren't one of the better – or they're obviously one of the better teams, but maybe they're not quite the team, and maybe this isn't quite the season we thought uh, was going to happen for Coach Felix and company. So yesterday, obviously, was the opening rounds for men's soccer at AutoNation Field. And I was at the game. Obviously, Coach Felix and, and a lot of the team, I believe the entire team, was there watching. 
Menlo versus I'm blanking on the name, uh, College of Idaho, as a matter of fact. And he mentioned that he thought talk, we talked about it. We talked about that loss, not just to the Seahawks in the tournament, but also to the Seahawks in the regular season. They're the only team to to get that have that not notch over the Bobcats. And he said, like, I think it was a good wake up call. I think it was a good wake up call. I think every team, you know, everybody wants to be undefeated. They want to say, oh, we had a perfect season on that stuff. But I think the most dangerous teams are the teams with that one loss because that one loss lets the team remind itself we're not perfect. No team is perfect, no matter what the record might say. And now they have a different mindset. Now they have a different goal in mind. Now they have a, that sense of we want to avenge that loss. I think that that loss even stings more because of the fact that the Seahawks were down a man and they were down a man for the entire regulation for the entire uh, overtime. And then obviously with PKs, that doesn't really matter, but for them to go down at auto nation field and still pretty much they had momentum. Once you got the PKs, you knew that they were the ones that had the advantage because in their head, that was the goal. Once you go down a man, they weren't really being too aggressive trying to get that that go-ahead goal they were just kind of playing four pks and it worked out and to their credit they were able to come out with the with the victory so i think this was just more of a two top teams teams that both deserve to win teams that both deserve to be champions of the conference one's got to be it one can't i think it's gonna be a great thing for the bobcats to be able to go into this first round match or second round matchup i should say tomorrow first for them and kind of get that taste out of their mouth. You know, obviously they're going to be the favorites. I think it's going to be a very good game for them. And if they can start off with a, I think they need to start off with a dominant performance. I think they need to come out, you know, and really just exert their number three ranking number two for pretty much the entire second half of the season for the most part and show people like, Hey, we know how the conference went. We know how the Seahawks may have gotten us twice, but that doesn't, exclude the fact of who we are what we've done and the fact that at least from st thomas perspective we definitely see them with the highest chance of having that red banner in their near future and they see that too so i'm very excited for their quest to start tomorrow at six o'clock yeah and they go up against a menlo team uh and when you look up and down their their roster and everything there's not a ton that that really pops out and i think that speaks to just how well they they play together as a team uh would you say that i mean how menlo's shape was in that game against college of idaho was a big reason for their victory i would you know i really would they also had a very it was also a very good game between them and college of idaho um the the yotes did go down a man at a certain point too there was a lot of uh both physical. It's a physical matchup for sure. The referees definitely had their hands full trying to, to control it. I think they did the best they could. There were some some yellow cars, some red cars being thrown out there. So it was very definitely a very physical one. And I think Menlo is going to come in and kind of – they. I feel like their mindset is going to be we have to be physical with the Bobcats. We have to be understanding that we're on their we're on their turf. You know, they're, they're the favorites here. They're the ones that are going to be looked at as the ones to make a statement. You're kind of being here as a – can you upset them? Can you really punch them in the mouth early and say, look, this is not going to be a cakewalk. This is not going to be an easy game. You have to earn everything. They made the Yotes earn everything. The one clean opportunity that the Yotes did get, Menlo was able to, uh, the Yotes were able to capitalize on it. But other than that, I feel like Menlo pretty much controlled the entirety of that game. They were moving the ball very well. They seemed to enjoy having the possession. It wasn't a lot of quick counters or anything like that. So I think it's going to be very similar to the Bobcats. Obviously the Bobcats, a different team, much more skilled team in my opinion. So I'm curious to see how that works out, but the, definitely the physicality is going to be something that I'm looking for, looking for and seeing who can kind of control that a little bit more and who the referees kind of favor a little bit more as well, because, you know, 
I don't want to say that the referee is going to affect the game and nobody wants that. But at the end of the day, you know, it is going to be a situation where how many calls are going to be called against you, how many calls are going to be in your favor, and where that kind of ends out in, in the end of the, the result of the game. Hey, you look at Menlo, a really good def- defensive team. They have the least amount of goals allowed uh, by a pretty good bit in the GSAC. They're averaging uh, just giving over a little over half a goal per game. And they also have the highest save percentage uh, w- with 81.8% uh, 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 save rate. And uh, you, you, know, you, you look at that, it, it's a lot like St. Thomas in the fact they have a really good goalkeeper. However, what I would like to see is just pepper the ball if you're St. Thomas. Get as many balls on net, force the keeper to, to make saves. And I think the ultimate key to this, some St. Thomas has scored a lot on, has been in, uh, just exceptional with. They have one of the best set-piece takers in the NAI in, in Guido. I think he's going to get a shot to either assist or get a goal, and I think St. Thomas is going to win this one one nothing. I have to agree with that take because – and I said a little bit on the cat chat, the podcast that I do for St. Thomas covering the athletics, the athletic program. They have scored some amazing goals. I still, like I said before, I think Guido's goal in, in the free kick in the semifinal was an absolute goal of the year type of goal. But like I said a little bit earlier, we're talking about women's soccer. You can't bank on having exceptional goals to be the way that you win. You have to try and get quality looks. I know that they have some very talented goal scorers on this team but at the end of the day keep it simple try and get you the best opportunities don't rely on the on the screamers from 30 40 yards out control that ball play those through balls get those crossing because we have some amazing amazing corner kick players as well as just wing runners that can put that ball into the penalty spot into that 18 yard box with a good opportunity to score so definitely look for quality shots instead of kind of getting a lot of long distance, getting a lot of shots at the net and eventually one will fall. No, you never know when that next one's going to come. So don't take advantage. Don't take it for granted. Focus on each one that you have in front of you. Even if it is a long distance shot, make it a good one. You know, if you have a clear shot at that goal, you feel like he's off his line, you can put it on the far post, upper 90, somewhere around there, go for it. But don't just rely on, all right, if we can, because again, at the end of the day, look at the numbers. Kaiser and Bobcast in the championship game, Bobcast had 25 shots, only four wrong goals. But the Seahawks only had four shots and all four wrong goal. And in the end, that they were the ones to come up with the victory. So I really, I really think that's a good example of what I mean. Just because they had the higher number of shots didn't necessarily mean that they had the better quality of shots. All right, let's move on uh, to wrap up men's soccer. We're going to go to the team that I think is about to shock a lot of teams. Now, I, they are obviously the favorite against Florida National, uh, and, and that's the game we're going to preview. Uh, odds are they're going to be playing in uh, – Lindsey Wilson, if they beat Florida National, do the Kaiser Seahawks. I think this is as simple as you've got a team. Don't forget, this is a team that has national championship culture, just like their women's team who uh, we've talked a good bit about. They're very sound defensively. They have uh, Santiago Nabat, who I think is one of the best goalkeepers in the the country. Fami uh, Konate set the world on fire with his goals against Southeastern and and that absolute banger of a game down at, in West Palm Beach. Mikel Besiotti, Besiotti, I always mess up his name, but anyways, uh, I, he's been phenomenal. Aldir Chavez, arguably the best forward at. at in the conference and then Jack Casey running up and down the wings for the Seahawks is a lot. You look at the comparisons. We've said this a good bit about the men's and the women's for Kaiser. I think there's a lot of them. I think they're going to thump Florida national and I think they're going to be rolling right into 
what I think is going to be the best game day one in Wichita, Kansas, which will be them against L- Lindsey Wilson. Manny, you talked about a little bit how their their ability to sit back and just play so sound defensively. They're able to uh, stifle out a strong attack like uh, like St. Thomas, that strong defense, that strong back line, and obviously uh, Nabat in, in goal is such a big reason for Kaiser. Uh, are you hop, hopping on that trend with me? I definitely think that the, the Seahawks – now, obviously, I wasn't a part or really watching too much of their championship, uh, national championship run a few years ago. But from what I'm hearing, from the things that people have been saying, you know, I, apparently they're getting a lot of flashbacks. They're definitely feeling like this team right now is looking primed to make that run. You end the regular season on the highest of high notes by taking one from the Bobcats in, the, in their final chance to have a perfect season. You then do it again at AutoNation Field in a dramatic fashion, you have pretty much as high momentum as you can talk about. And I think that's what it comes down to. Like you said, on paper, this team is top-notch. On paper, they check every single box, from the coaching to the players to the goalkeeping to the just team dynamic, the ability to switch between an aggressive, offensive-minded team and then a defensive, just kind of park the bus, so to speak, and and play for a situation where the clock is our friend or we we kind of understand that we're not going to get quality looks after quality looks, can we get a quick counter? They check all those boxes. The only thing that it comes down to for them, I think, is going to be what is also in their favor, momentum and their mindset. They, I'm sure they feel like they are going into this tournament maybe the most confident team in the nation, one could argue. I mean, you like you said, like I said, you beat the top two team, one of the top two teams in the nation at the time, on their home field, not once, but twice in an amazing way to get another conference championship belt. When they won, I can tell you firsthand, they were letting the fans know about it at AutoNation Field. They were they enjoyed being the villains, and I think that's kind of where their, their mindset should be right now. They should be liked to be hated. They should be liked to be the villains. They should be liked to be the teams that maybe people don't want to see win. And if they have that mindset, they're going to be a dangerous dangerous team so it just comes down to that where their head is at will determine how far they go and if it is where i think it is they're going to go very very far this season manny before we go into soccer or excuse me before we leave soccer and go into volleyball one sun conference team will 100 lose tomorrow i tell you that if i tell you that there's one team that will 100 lose because I, I i'm picking everybody to win but if we got to pick one to lose who do you think it is we're talking both women's and men's soccer we can go both, yeah. I don't I don't want to jinx it for the men's, but I feel like both men's team will be able to handle business tomorrow. That is true. Um, and so it comes down to the women's soccer. And I really don't it want pains to do you to do it. Do you want me to do it? Yeah, it pains me to do it. it do you does. want me to do it? Do you want me to do it? Oh yeah, you do it. You do it. Go ahead. Go I think ahead. the Cumberland Phoenix may take down St. Thomas tomorrow. Uh I, I think that this is this is a tough draw for him. I think uh, Cumberland is, is by far the best team, which it makes sense when you look at the four Sun Conference teams and just pure resume-wise. I mean, St. Thomas is going to be at, at the lo- lower um, end of that. That's why they're traveling. If I were them, I would have probably rather gone up and played College of Idaho. Um, but, you know, just kind of it, it, it is what is what it is. Um, yeah, I think Cumberland's a phenomenal team. They have so much firepower up top. They're sound defensively. They have a solid goalkeeper. They're experienced. Man, it's gonna it's gonna be tough. It's it's in Tennessee. It's gonna be probably a chilly weekend uh, uh up there. And yeah, man, I but I say that 
Team, everybody, everybody's told me all year, man. Everybody's told me all year. And it took me a while to hop on. It, 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 it took me a minute. Everybody's told me all year the best team in this conference, St. Thomas. And that's just from man, that's just you know Weber players mostly, some other players across the conference. But time to go prove it. Time to go prove it. Because you you obviously my bobcat hat real quick, and I'm gonna make a case for them. And I'm trying to sway you. This is actually not the first time these two teams have played. They played in 2021 in the national tournament. It was a 2-1 uh, victory for Cumberland. There were only five players from that team that played them back in 2021. Leslie Delon, De Leon, Sarah Opaland, and three more that right now I'm just blanking on the name. The rest of the team's brand new. This entire team, from the moment they beat Emery Riddle, from the moment that they started conference play and were just kind of going out, guns blazing, until they ran. I believe the fire. I believe the fire were the first game that they lost to in the conference tournament. But before. It has been, why not us? They understand that they are not going to be picked by a lot of people aside from Bobcat people. They're not going to be picked by the experts. They feel like, I mean, you, you said it pretty much in the back end of the season when you finally gave them that, that, that notch of we might have four teams this year that could get a red banner. And honestly, I can't blame you. They kind of came out of nowhere. They kind of came out of left field for a lot of people. But I think that that is why they have a really, really good chance of doing it. Are they going to do it in a dominant fashion? I don't see that. Are they going to do it in somewhere where we're like, oh, can they really, are they they're going to be one of the top teams now? Probably not. But they beat the Seahawks by one on a great opportunity that was last minute by Samino. They beat the Scad Bees early on in that game. They gave the fire everything they had, and it came down to a couple of questionable calls here and there, some unlucky bounces. So I think the Bobcats, the way the season has gone, the Call me, call me cliche, call me, call me Hollywood, whatever. But I think it's all laid out to finally have that win in the national tournament against a team that the last team that beat you in the national tournament, I think is going to be there for them. It's going to be an uphill battle, to say the least. Like you said, it's going to be a different type of weather for sure. Even got a different time zone, you know, games there, they're going to be at one. It's going to be at two down here. It's a completely different world pretty much for them. <laughs> but I do believe that take away the X's and O's, I know a lot of these ladies personally. I've talked to a lot of them. They honestly, when they saw their name popped up as happy and as just ecstatic as they were, a lot of them just had a face of like, all right, let's go to business. Let's, let's go do this. This is not a trip to make memories other than making a memory of winning, a, winning that national tournament game. This is the business trip. And they're going to take that with that mindset. If they do come out with that loss, I promise you will not be because they did not answer the bell. I promise you will not be because they 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 folded in the moments. If anything, I think it just means that the Cumberland team was even better than we thought they would be because the Bobcats are going to throw everything, including the kitchen sink at you, and they're going to go deep in their bag because at the end of the year, at the end of the time, this is it. There's no more. This, could, this is the last guaranteed game that you have, so leave it all out there, and I believe they're going to. I they think rock it with you. I think it's arguably the best matchup uh, for the second round of women's soccer. Uh, we'll leave it at that. that that's our uh, uh that, that's our takes now let's move on to volleyball where we we will both be at you'll be on the call for i will be there doing live coverage for the game 
So Emma Lyons and the Marion Knights, the Crossroads Libero of the Year. She had just under 500 digs this year, over five digs per set. Uh, one of the best liberos in the NAI, going against one of the best attacks in the NAI. I might bring my broom with me, Manny. You're bringing your broom? I might bring my broom with me. I think St. Thomas is about to have a nasty taste in their mouth from last year. Something about the Midwest teams, they've had their number a little bit. Can't argue it. Midwest teams have had their number a little bit. And I think St. Thomas, last year was cool. Last year was fun. Now it's time to go book a trip out and go show everybody, everybody at the Sun Conference that has done it in a whole lot of sports. We got another one, and it's Whitney Bato. It's Amanda Allende. It's Peyton Berkey. Manny. Hey, Lightning Bobcats, ladies volleyball team tomorrow. You really just put it in the best way. Last year was cool. Last year was fun. Last year was kind of like, okay, this is what it feels like. This year? They've had their fun. They've had their their laughs. I've been at practices. I've been at every single home game. I've I've seen it all. But when I tell you these girls have a killer mindset, they I'm gonna post the reactions to them finding out they're gonna host later today on the SU Sports Network, and you're gonna see just how much it means to them, just how energetic they are. But don't let that fool you. These ladies expected nothing less. They were never questioning of what they were gonna make. I mean, aside from winning the tournament, obviously, like before they won the tournament, I'm. They all had them same mindset. We're going to be in tournament. It's just a matter of are we hosting or not. It's just a matter of is it automatic bid or not. But they definitely felt like their resume was longer than the Chick Fil A line. There was no way they were going to be left off of it. Three, mm. three straight regular season titles, back to back conference titles. You swept sixteen times in the first game this season against Missouri Baptist, one of the quote unquote dynasties, one of the best teams. When we're talking about volleyball in the NAIA, and you take them to five sets. One mm. of your freshmen has a career debut. Peyton Berkey hmm. has another career debut. What what are we talking about here? This team has had such a historic and dominant run in the past three years. And it doesn't seem like it's slowing down because a lot of times age will catch up to you. And yes, we do have, aside from Allende and, and McCaskill, who are only the, the two grad students that are leaving next year, we'll probably have a little bit more of a hit after the senior class leaves as well. A few names like Sanat Dennis, Bianca Gracia is going to be another one, but obviously she's got an extra year. But even still, I talked about it before. The freshmen that are come that came in this year, and Bruno, the freshman of the year, and Peyton Berkey, the setter of the year, and the MVP for the tournament, the way they just seamlessly came in, it is the perfect mix. One of the best mix I've ever seen in my time being a part of sports of the foundation, the past, and, and the Allende's, and the McCaskill's, and the Gracias of the world, and the future, bringing in Taylor Barnes, who is the reigning freshman of the year, bringing in Alexander Bruno, Peyton Berkey, to name a few. And you have some good players on that bench that if you give them a little bit of, a, of disrespect, so to speak, they're going to come in and do some damage on you. Maybe they don't blow you away, but now you're saying, wow, that was that was a big-time block. That was a big-time play. That was a big-time kill. Am I going to say sweep? I don't know just because I will say, I and I really hope this isn't the case, and I'm just bringing it out because I think it is a valid point to bring up. They've done everything that they did in the regular season and the postseason before. But this is new. You know, I talked to Coach Whitney last last yesterday, I believe, or two days ago. 
And she said, and we both agreed that this is the first time this year we're going to say they're not the experienced team. They haven't been there before. This is all new to them. At the end of the day, it is volleyball and they've been winning at a great rate this year, but it's a different animal. My biggest concern for them, for sure, it's not the volleyball side of things. It's not. I think it's going to be a great offensive performance. You know, I think I talked to Allende, her fingers very well. You know, for those of you who know, she did get hurt in that Weber game in the semifinals, but she Picked up right where she left off in that championship game. Her serving was superb. Five service aces, a career high. I think she's going to be fine. She's ready to go. So everything is there volleyball-wise. For me, it's mental. It's emotional. Yep. There's a lot riding on this game. You know what I'm saying? You're in your home gym. You're going to have a great turnout because of all the athletics that are going to be going around tomorrow on campus. A lot of teams, a lot of players, a lot of people, they definitely are giving the Bobcats that pressure of do it. Like, do it now. You've done it before. You've been here before. This is their season. Personally, for them, I feel like this is this this is what they've been waiting for all year. Because, like you said, they do have a bad taste in their mouth from last year. They 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 do feel like you know maybe last year was they yeah. were new to the scene, but now they've been there. They're well, they're very, going up. They're they're going up against Mary and and just kind of uh, wrap up. Tell you a little bit about about the Knights. They have a really good rotation of four outside hitters. Um, Michaela Christensen and. Corey uh, Dryden, fifth, number 15 and number 22. Michaela is a junior. Corey is a freshman. They both have over 200 kills. They'll be over 250 each. Uh, Corey's at 247. However, they both have over 100 errors, and they both are hitting at a percentage uh, at 20% or less. Uh, Corey Dryden, the freshman, is uh, at a 20% rate, while Michaela Christensen, number 15, is hitting at only a 17%. Right. Uh, they, they're going to mix those two up with Gabby Fish and Madison Brooks. That, that Both of those girls are over 200 kills as well. So they're going to have fresh legs. They're going to try, try to keep, uh, keep. That's why I think it's big for uh, St. Thomas to win the first set. And something if there's been one thing we could knock them on, the second set is where they have had some struggles this year. Um, I think they're going to take care of business. Maybe not sweet. Maybe not sweet. Maybe I'll, I'll, I'll keep the broom in my vehicle. But uh, it, it, it will at least be brought. But – Manny, let's wrap it up. We're going to kick it over uh, to Josh here in just a second to do a, a full talk about the the football game. You're going to be on the call for that one tomorrow. That's the what we are. That's what we are kicking off. Really, all action. The first game tomorrow uh, will be at noon. Uh, the kind of hey Sun Conference. Here we go. It will be that game for the St. Thomas Bobcats against the Reinhardt Eagles. Reinhardt, uh, a, a team at the beginning of the year when you looked at them, it was like what's uh what's going on uh are they seriously not going to make the playoffs uh they blew out uh an okay Faulkner a pretty good Faulkner team honestly um and then Southeastern went up there and won 23-20 they lost to Cumberland's 2019 a heartbreaker then they beat a really good Georgetown team 28-24 uh Georgetown's a great team they're definitely gonna make a run the back half of the schedule for Reinhardt, pretty light. Um, all due respect to Pikeville, St. Andrews, Point, Union, Kentucky Christian, Bluefield. Um, I don't think there's a team still playing football right now that doesn't go six and zero. I mean, I don't. I mean, that, that's me. Be honest. I don't think there's a playoff team that doesn't go six and zero with that schedule. They had a really good win against Georgetown, though. Other than that, not nothing that's really sticking out. Okay, win against Faulkner uh, for them. However, they're going to light up the scoreboard. Um, I think this is. My, my straight up opinion on this game, get your popcorn ready. Let me channel my Lane Kiffin. This is going to be a old school Pac-12 kind of game. I, I like I'm thinking this and you look at the average scores. The average scores for these 
uh, these teams if it ends. Just how they're averaging, St. Thomas will lose the game 51 to 47. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to be the result, but Manny, Offense Player of the Year, Rontavious Farmer. Just real quick, real quick, I want to kick it over to Josh to get get all the opinions and everything. But, Bobcats, what's your big keys to victory? I know you're on the, on the call f- uh, for the game tomorrow. I am actually going to stay right there. I think it's the running back game. I think it's going to be a situation where we're having Rontavious Farmer for the Bobcats and yes. then Jardavian Colbert for the Eagles, first team all-conference in his conference, 167 yards, He's the only one on that team with 100-plus rushes. The next player is 48, and he's the only player with 971 total yards. The next player is 287. So, obviously, they're going to feed him the ball early. Now, the last time that the Rontavious did go up against a top running back, it was Brian Stamick against Avi Maria, and obviously, Farmer did come out victorious in both the scoreboard and the personal one-on-one matchup. So, mm-hmm. I do think that's where it's going to be which team can slow down the running game, and then which team also kind of goes to their QB and says, here, we're going to give you the ball here, let you cook, throw some passes, and see who can be aggressive. The yeah. the Keith it's Watson versus be, Taylor Jackson, that's going to be another matchup I'm definitely looking I think at. the key quarterback-wise is don't turn the ball over. I think this is this fits in well, uh, really well with Co- with Coach Reichel. I mean, he it's it's in the trenches. That's where the game, game is always going to be won and lost. I think when you look at a game like this, though, it's going to be high scoring. Your defense is going to give up busts against an offense like Reinhardt. But when I'm looking at it, obviously St. Thomas is going to be scored. And so when you have two teams that can light up the scoreboard the way the Bobcats and the Eagles can, I believe the key to the game, Manny, is stealing possessions and limiting possessions to the other team. You steal possessions in football real easily. You make uh, you, you make. Uh, you force turnovers, you limit turnovers, and you make plays on special teams. You then limit the amount of times they get the ball. Now, it's going to be the same for Reinhardt. I think both teams are going to have pretty similar, and again, I'm getting way, way into this talk. I'm going to talk more more uh, Josh about this. But when you look at it, if you control the run game and you're able to eat up the play clock and you're able to hold the ball for 38 minutes, to their 22 minutes, that's huge. I think that's going to be a big key. I think that's what St. Thomas is going to try to do tomorrow. They have the dogs uh, down there to get it. You got the best defense alignment in the Sun Conference and Nicholas Engler. I think the Meg's going to smell blood in the water. These are Meg-infested water down here in Miami Gardens. Y'all better be careful. It's going to be really fun. We're going to kick it over now uh, to myself, Miss Josh Blackmore. Manny, did you have anything else uh, you wanted to say, though? I'm excited for Saturday. I'm excited. We're I can't ready. wait to – we'll actually meet in person. It'll be the first yeah, time. Yeah, this is the first time we're going to meet in person. Yeah. So, I'm definitely going to be – I'm probably going to get to the game for football like right around 1130. So, I'll definitely probably be from up in the production shop being like, what's up, Reagan? I'll definitely talk to you at halftime. But no, I'm excited for for personal and then for for sure Bobcat Athletics. Absolutely. Well, we'll get over to Josh Blackmore myself. Talk a little Sun uh, – not Sun Congress football, but a little St. Thomas football. What's going on, everybody? Josh here. Reagan and I aren't uh, able to record together tonight. Has some things going on, so it's going to be a little split, but that's no problem. Um, it's going to get into a little bit of a, a review of of last week's games, um, a little preview of the two two the playoff game this week and the following weekend as well when Kaiser gets the chance to take the field as they got a buy in the NAI football tournament. Um, and we'll do a little little recap of the season, talk about some players, some teams, and um, and that that'll wrap it up. But to get things get things started, 
Um, St. Thomas with a with a massive win, which I genuinely think that the way that they won played a part in them getting um, a bid to the to the national tournament, a home game at that. Um, I think the the eighty four to zero victory over Thomas kind of pushed them over the edge, and let the committee know that they were you know they were standing on business and you know they were able to get in unlike last year after a tough tough pill to swallow not see, hearing your names called um, when they announced the all the bids for the national tournament. Um, and Kaiser won won outright the Sun Conference Championship by handling Flomo forty four thirteen. Um, I didn't necessarily think that game was going to go that way. I thought Florida Memorial was going to put up a little bit more of a fight there, but you know we all knew Kaiser, you know, is the real deal. Um, all all aspects of the game, offense, defense, special teams, just full on dominant dominant program, dominant team. Really excited to to see them get after it this this postseason. Hopefully, both both our Sun Conference teams can you know make make a little bit of a run um, this year. Um, and big rivalry game, Weber Warner. Weber coming out on top, ending the season on a high note, 33 to 15. Weber on ending the season, um, winning two of their last three, a little bit of momentum into the to the off season, and winning winning a rivalry game is always is always good for the program. So I know the, the boys in the Bab are definitely pumped up about that. Um, you know, you know, of course, of a Weber student, um, I love seeing that and happy for for Reagan. Uh, it's been a, definitely a tough season for him, so I'm glad he got to end his senior year on a on a high note. Um, go Warriors. Um, and the last game of the weekend was Southeastern Ave. Southeastern handled them 34-10. Southeastern with with another quality season, but, you know, there's there's dismissing a little something. They're not quite on that St. Thomas Kaiser level um, like they were in the past, the last several years. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how they attack the offseason, how they attack the, the recruiting trail, things like that. But before, before all of that, we're going to discuss a little bit of St. Thomas and um, Reinhardt, um, this past year, uh, I believe Reinhardt knocked off um, the fire. Um, let me just double check on that. Um, I think there was a, a, a one-score game. I believe they won by a field goal. Um, having some te- technical difficulties here. Had to pull it up. Computer lagging a little bit. Um, no, actually, I'm sorry. Southeastern did win 23-20. At Reinhardt, I remember they walk off field goal. Um, but yeah, St. Thomas gets to take them on at home. Home field advantage is huge in the post. It's always it's always very very important. But in the postseason, that home field advantage definitely plays a big part. And I know St. Thomas is gonna you know pack that place out, um, try and get a playoff win um, to move on to the following to the next round to join the, the Seahawks. And the Seahawks will also have a home game um, in West Palm Beach. Um, tapping in a little bit to the preview of this game, St. Thomas, you know, Keely Watson has been fantastic as of late um, and really tearing it up. Um, and Rontavious Farmer, the heart and soul of that offense. You know, he you got a guy like him and Keely Watson running that offense with a solid offensive line. Um, you know, you're in business. Um, earlier on in the year, St. Thomas defeated Southeastern 33-21. So them and Reinhardt have a mutual. Um, St. Thomas put up 33 points on the fire and Reinhardt put up 20. So def- both teams definitely can score a little bit. It should be really interesting. Um, not, not, and no bias here, but I really think St. Thomas is going to be able to, you know, you know, take on that ground and pound and, you know, put it on Reinhardt and win a hard fought, hard fought game. And I think St. Thomas is going to be able to be able to, to move on, um, 
And then the following weekend, uh, two days after Thanksgiving, Kaiser are going to take on um, their opponents to be announced, but they will have a home game 1 o'clock in West Palm Beach. So very excited for the playoffs. Um, just a little season recap. Um, go over the standings just a little bit. Kaiser finished out on top 7-0 and with an 8-2 and overall record, won seven in a row. Um, St. Thomas finished 6-1, and 8-3 and overall, won their last five games. Undefeated at home, that's a very crucial part. Um, St. Thomas gets their, their playoff game, their first one at home, and they're undefeated at home. So, that, like I said, that home field advantage is, is big for the Bobcats. Um, finishing in third, Florida Memorial, 5-2, and 6-4 and four overall. Um, very impressive year for the Lions. I think it's only going to be you know up from here for the Lions. They're going to start tapping into some of that South Florida talent and start to be a force to be reckoned with in, in the, the Sun Conference. Um, finishing up fourth, Southeastern, 4-3, four 5-5 and three, five and five overall. Um, just, you know, just not quite where they, they used to be competitive, but just not haven't taken that next step um, in the last couple of years. Um, Ave Maria, two and five, four and six overall. I had a little bit higher hopes for the Gyrenes this year with a veteran veteran quarterback and a veteran um, tailback. Um, personally, I think Brian Stimke, you know, he was the heart and soul of that team. What a great year for him. I loved watch, watching him play, seeing the stats, you know, seeing him tear it up in all facets of the game. Um, finishing up in six was Weber at two and five, three and seven overall. Definitely a little bit of a down year for the Warriors, but really young. And you see that in football, you got to rebuild, you got to, you know, get recruits. And I think Weber's going to be is going to be on the uphill as well. Um, Warner one and six, uh, four and six overall. They started out three and zero, oh, finished one and six in their last seven games. Um, definitely thought Warner was going to be a little bit a little bit tougher this year. Um, Maybe a little bit of a weak, weaker schedule early on that gave us a little false information, but um, Warner's still settling in with the new coach and going to have to really work hard in the recruiting trail, competing with Weber and Southeastern locally, as well as all the, the rest of the teams in the Sun Conference that are in Florida, as plus Thomas in South Georgia. Um, Thomas, 1-6, and 1-8 and eight overall. Um, and I said all year, besides, besides week 10 or week 9, um, Thomas was competitive in almost every single game. You know, it was impressive in a first-year program. Brand-new team, brand-new coaches, everything new. Who wants to go to a school that's brand-new? And they still found a way to compete in most of their games. And like Reagan and I have discussed before, you know, they have a very good chance of tapping in some of that South Georgia talent, North Florida talent, and, you know, build quite the program over there. It's not too, too much outside of some of the bigger schools that they have to compete with. So, you know, watch out for Thomas. He might be able to, you know, really start to build a quality program and, you know, make some things happen here in the Sun Conference as a, as a new member. Welcome again. Um, but overall, great year. Uh, competitive all the way to the last week. Um, a win from Flomo could have changed this whole thing. Could have had a three-way tie at the top. So we'd love to see um, this competition, you know, stretch out from like week five all the way to, to week 11. Um, definitely made it more interesting to, to have a little bit of a race instead of seeing someone just completely run away from it. Um, and just a, a little bit of some stats before I pass it back over to Reagan. Um, we'll go over some, we'll do rushing, receiving, and some defense. Um, computer's having trouble here. I don't know what's going on. Got a little bit of buffer going on. Um, might have to nix this and move this to next episode. 
um, whenever we discuss some, you know, some player of the year, offensive player of the year, defensive player of the year, things like that. Um, so rushing, what is going on? Uh-oh. All right. Well, yeah, some technical difficulties. Sorry about that. But whenever we, you know, discuss some of the postseason awards, we'll go over a lot of the, the stats and, you know, who won all those awards and give a full-on recap. Um, but if you're a Sun Conference football fan, if you're a Sun Conference athlete, um, check out the Bobcast this weekend as you play a home game at home. You know, if you're a St. Thomas student, you know, pop out to the game. I'm sure they'd love the support. We're rooting for the – pulling for the Bobcats, pulling for the Sun Conference. Excited for them. So, you know, with that being said, um, thank you guys for listening, and you guys have a great weekend. Go Sun Conference.